Matthew chapter 19 is where we're going to be tonight. Matthew 19, if you want to turn there and stand as you make your way to that scripture. Matthew 19. Look at just a few verses tonight from Matthew's gospel, the 19th chapter, and we'll begin our reading in verse 13. The Bible says, And there were brought unto him little children, that he, this is talking about Jesus, should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for all of the hard work and effort our Awana Clubbers put into this year. Thank you for all the leadership, all the people who've sacrificed time, energy, any kind of involvement to serve in this ministry and parents alike. Lord, thank you so much for the families that come to Eastland Baptist Church, moms and dads who have a passion, have a desire that their kids would hide your word in their heart and that they would grow to love you, and that they'd grow to love your church, and that they would center their lives on the things that matter to you. Lord, we ask now as we look to your word for a brief moment, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, that we would have hearts that are ready to receive, ears that are ready to listen. I pray, as there's a lot of little ones in the room tonight, God, that um, distractions could be limited. I pray, Lord, that you would help us not to be distracted and help us not to be a distraction to others. God, help us to give you liberty to speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Children are precious, aren't they? I remember the day our Audrey Grace was born. It wasn't too long ago. Audrey is our firstborn daughter. Audrey, how old are you now? She's six years old and she's proud of it. And uh, we have Jace Gideon. He's four. You're four. Jude Stetson, he's a man. Um, He's two. No, he's two, buddy. Okay. And then (laughs) baby number four is on the way. It's going to come any day now. But I remember being a first-time parent. Do you remember that feeling, those of you who've had kids? um, Katie and I were just so nervous. There's so many unknowns. You just don't really, I mean, you try to educate yourself, and you think you know what you're doing going into it, but then you have that child, and you quickly realize, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, we were just scared, uh, had a lot of different emotions, a lot of different feelings. Um, I remember just being nervous because the doctors had told us different things about her physically that would happen, and God took care of all that, and we got to see God do some miracles, we believe, um, in her life. But I remember holding her for the first time, and I remember just being overwhelmed a little bit with, first of all, the responsibility that I had just received, but then also just it's a little human being, you know, and they're so fragile and they're so innocent and she had a lot of hair and, you know, just, it's incredible to think about that. Children are a precious gift from God, aren't they? Um, No doubt you've heard about the shootings this week that have happened in Texas. It's a tragic occurrence that happened. Our hearts are probably broken and angered by the loss of innocent lives that took place. It's hard for our minds maybe to fully comprehend how somebody could harm children in that manner. Perhaps we all hugged our kids a little bit tighter this week, you know, as we tucked them in bed or as we sent them off to school. Our hearts were reminded of the gift that they truly are. And tragedies like that remind us 
of what's really important in this life. Um, they cause us to pause in gratitude for the things that sometimes we can take for granted, and they show us what's really valuable. And so tonight, I'd like to draw our attention to just a small portion of Scripture and look at how incredibly precious and treasured children are in the eyes of God and what that ought to teach us. The word precious means something of great value, not to be wasted or treated carelessly, greatly loved or treasured by someone. Children are precious, and they're so precious that somebody needs to care for their future. Somebody needs to care for their future. We can get so busy in this life working on other things that we can easily overlook the wonderful opportunities that we have and the incredible responsibility we have to invest in children, to raise children, to serve children. But can I remind us tonight that there's no greater ministry in your life than the ministry you have to your family. If you lose your family, you lose everything. In Matthew chapter 19, we find great multitudes are following Jesus. He's healing them in verse 2. In verse 3 now, the Pharisees come and they're asking Jesus all these complex kind of questions, humanly speaking. They're trying to trip Jesus up. And by the way, that's not a good idea to do. You're not really going to trip Jesus up. You're not going to really stump him. But nonetheless, they're trying to manipulate Jesus into answering the wrong questions the wrong way. And of course, we know he's the son of God. He answered those questions in the way he should. And now right after Jesus is dealing with all these issues, issues. He's healing, he's teaching, he's preaching, he's caring about others, he's doing ministry. We see in the verses that we just read, a number of children are brought to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very specific. It said little. Did you see that word there that we read? Little children. In other words, they were young in age. They hadn't experienced much of life. And it's amazing that the disciples around him figured with all of the important things that Jesus has going on, certainly he doesn't have time for these little children, right? but how wrong they were. As a matter of fact, we see that he had plenty of time for, for children. Jesus paused everything that he was doing, and he took time to serve these children and their families. Jesus gives us a great demonstration here, a great lesson that we can learn from. And if we aren't careful, church family, we can become so busy or have a wrong perspective about children, even our own children, one that's contrary to that which Christ perceives. And if we aren't careful, we can undervalue kids. Um, we can miss out on wonderful opportunities to train them, to teach them, to mold their young hearts toward the things of God. I was reading a little bit about the No Child Left Behind Act, um, that legislation put into, um, into the government there under President George W. Bush. Um, it was to raise education in our school systems, and so the idea was um, no matter what the child's background, socially or economically, uh, if they were underprivileged, if they didn't have a good home life, or if they lived in a bad area of the country, um, the government wanted to ensure that our country was set up so that no child would have to miss out on a good education. You might remember that act. And then later on in 2015, under President Obama, they replaced it and updated it to the Every Student Succeeds Act. Now, I think we ought to be concerned about every child uh, and that every child's cultural or social position shouldn't prohibit them from getting what they need in terms of education. But I want to remind you tonight that it's not just reading and writing and arithmetic that our children need. It's not just adding and subtracting or learning different geography or different world history. All those things are great. There's more to life, though, than just knowing things, isn't there? 
You see, the truth about life's fullest success is not in knowing things, but in knowing someone, that being the Lord Jesus Christ. And if our country can lobby and legislate that no child be left behind on a good education, I for one want to vote that no child gets left behind on meeting with Christ and having a personal relationship with him that is full and real. And so a few moments tonight, I'd like us to notice some things from this text that we can learn regarding children. At verse 13, look at verse 13 with me in our text again. We see, then there were brought unto him little children. Don't you know that children are innocent? There's a, there's a certain purity to a small child that we as adults don't have anymore. Um, they're innocent. They're impressionable. They're ignorant about a lot of things, but yet they're interested about a lot of things. And an important aspect that I want us to get a hold of tonight in light of the occasion that we have tonight is we want to capture their hearts before the world fills their minds with all the garbage and all the mess that goes through the media and different things. I'm saying it's a blessing that we have a place here, Eastland Baptist Church, where my two-year-old, he's learning how to walk without stumbling and falling, but at the same time, he's learning how to have a walk with God and what that means, you know, in a Puggles program. While he's learning how to talk, he's learning how to memorize and, and quote scripture. When he's learning how to eat his vegetables and the things that I put on his plate, he's also learning to have a desire for the sincere milk of the word of God. I vote that let's work on the kids' lives now while we still have them in an innocent state of mind. Because when they get older, the way the world is moving, the direction that we're headed toward, kids aren't going to blush at the things that you blushed at when you were a kid. Uh, they won't even give it. A, we need to have the chance now to make an impression on them. But here's the problem. Too many parents, and I'm not accusing anybody in this room, but I'm just saying generically, too many parents... Too many people that have been entrusted with kids' lives, rather than spending time, intentional time, invested in them, what they do is they turn them to a video game system, they turn them to a television, and the media, and all these things because they're too busy for them. And they, they leave all of the investment to whoever is out there. And they don't embrace that responsibility. It amazes me that studies say that teens, ages 13 to 18, spend about nine hours daily on entertainment media, including social media and entertainment media like TV, YouTube, online videos, reading, and mobile games, and tweens ages 8 to 12 average about six hours a day. And the research shows that it's dumbing children's minds down. It's negatively affecting their cognitive ability. Um, their brains don't have to work. Their minds don't have to process information. Young people today are increasingly becoming lazy as a result of it. They're becoming apathetic. They're becoming lethargic. They're not motivated to do very much because their minds by the screens and the internet have been trained not to work. Let somebody else do the work for you. Let somebody else do the thinking for you. And that's why the moment that they're crawling around, we ought to be challenging their minds to work. We ought to be investing in them right away. Verse 13, again, I want you to notice this as well. Then there were brought unto him, little children. It's important for us to realize tonight that these children didn't just go to Jesus on their own. These children perhaps didn't even know how to find Jesus on their own, but somebody brought them to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what this tells me? It, took, it tells me that somebody took responsibility to take these children to the Lord Jesus Christ. Studies suggest that 
the ones who brought these kids to Jesus were their parents. And in that time of history, it would have been a very common practice for parents to bring their children to the rabbis, to the teachers of that time, for a blessing on their life. In Mark's gospel account, in this instance, if you look at the language there, uh, those that brought him, it's in the masculine form of the participle. And so what that indicates is it could have very well been their fathers that brought these children to Christ. And I want to make this point that bringing, Jesus, bringing children, I'm sorry, to Jesus is not only the responsibility and opportunity for Sunday school workers or for Awana workers or for children's ministry workers or even just for mothers either. Now, I'm not downplaying a mother's involvement and a mother's time. Don't get me wrong. A mother's influence, time, and involvement is vitally, vitally, vitally important. Um, but in a day and time where fathers are distracted and fathers are detached, and fathers are downright absent, I do want to encourage you tonight that it's also a father's responsibility to bring their child or their children to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. We can't say for sure that it was their dads that brought them or their moms that brought them. It, it could have even been older siblings that brought them to Jesus. I think regardless of who brought them, the point is this, that the older generation was concerned with the younger generation. And you know what we need? We need some older generation, and I'm not just talking people with gray hair, I'm talking people with kids themselves as well that are interested in investing in the younger generation and take them to the most important person, that being Jesus Christ. And by the way, a good place to help them find Jesus is in a good church. And you might say, well, I don't need to go to church to find Jesus. You're right, but you won't have a hard time finding him in a good one either you won't have a hard time finding Jesus in a good church. And I thank God that as a child, I was able to grow up in a church and I was able to be taught the word of God. I was able to be introduced to the son of God at an early age. One man said this, that the best education is education in the best things. The best education is education in the best things. And you'll never find anything better than educating yourself in the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We see here that they had a responsibility to get children to God, to Jesus Christ. And then they, we see this from our text tonight in Matthew chapter 19. They come to Jesus and they're saying, hey, please lay your hands on them. Pray for them. Bless them. They're saying, God, these children need your time. These children need your teaching. These children need your training. They need your touch on their life. And they knew that their children had a future ahead of them, and they knew that Jesus' touch on their lives could make all the difference in the world. This is a wonderful realization for those of us who are parents or ministry volunteers. We should be most interested in God having his touch on those little hearts and lives. They don't need to necessarily know how to bounce a basketball or how to hit a baseball in a world filled with immorality and idolatry, they don't need to shake the hand of an athlete or a celebrity or a movie star. It's easy to enroll our kids in anything and everything under the sun. And please don't misunderstand me tonight. Don't misunderstand me. They need to have a good education. I believe it with all my heart. Our children need opportunities to grow. You may want them to play an instrument. That's wonderful. I mean that. You may want them to play sports. I think a lot of good can come from sports. 
They can learn a lot of lessons of life. You may want them to be around somebody who could teach them a certain trade or prepare them for some kind of career path. I think all of that's awesome. It'll help them down the road. Many of those things can have benefit. But here's the deal. It's easy for us to just get pushed into the world's current and into the world's way of thinking, of believing that those things are absolutely necessary. And, 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 and I want to ask you, what percentage of those children that play in sports or play some kind of instrument or, or you know, whatever, go on to be a pro? How many of them end up actually doing that with their lives? I mean, the statistics would tell us very few would, but I want to ask you this question. How many of those kids will one day stand before God and give an account of their lives for the things that really mattered? And the answer is, all of them will. What matters most is what matters in eternity. And so we shouldn't be afraid to introduce our children to learning experiences and opportunities. That's, that's not what I'm saying tonight. Okay, but we can't allow the pressures of society to make those things of greater priority than the things of God. Because of everything, we need, of everything that we do, we need to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, I pray you, Lord Jesus, would you, would you bless them? Would you pray over them? Would you go to God on their behalf? And I read scriptures like this sometimes, and I think, well... Perhaps it's easier for them because Jesus was there. Jesus was there in the physical form. They could go to him for his blessing. They could actually go physically to Jesus. But how do I bring my kids to Jesus? How do I do that? How do you do that? A few practical things. How about this? You can bring your kids to Jesus by praying with them and praying for them. Is your child or your children on your prayer list? How often are you praying for them? You can spend time with each of them individually. Be intentional about spending time with each of your kids individually. And in those moments that you have with them, point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have devotions with them in your home. I know some people think that's weird. You can have your opinion about it. But there should be maybe some conversation about what the Word of God says in your home. You could talk about Jesus on the way to school or to the store. You can make talking about Jesus like a a normal thing. Not so weird. Um, you could take them to church faithfully. I mean, anytime the doors are open, even on a Wednesday night when there isn't a wanna, you know what you're doing? You're teaching them that Jesus is the most important person that they need to be in contact with. You could show them how a relationship with the Lord applies to their present situations when they're in a tough situation or whatever. You could get them around other godly individuals. You could introduce them to good books. But I think this as well, that we need to be extremely intentional about what media we allow them to consume by way of TV, music, books, games, because if those things aren't pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're pointing them to something or somebody else. And most of the things, not all the things, but most of the things that's out there aren't pointing toward Jesus. And so we need to be thoughtful about that. We need to continually introduce them to Christ. I want you to notice this also at the end of verse 13, that the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. Jesus is blessing some kids, and the disciples have a problem with it. They're trying to send the kids away, and unfortunately, uh, Christy, David, the disciples didn't believe in children's ministries, apparently. (laughs) But isn't it amazing that whenever somebody has something good going on, somebody has a problem with it? You ever known somebody like that? 
I thank God that our church has the privilege to take these kids through a program like Awana and point them to Jesus. You can't go wrong teaching them the Bible. You can't go wrong teaching them principles of the Bible. You can't go wrong teaching them doctrines of the Bible. You can't go wrong teaching them how to hide God's word in their heart that they might not sin against him. And by the way, parents, you won't go wrong teaching them how to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, and please, and thank you, but that's another sermon for another time. But the text doesn't tell us why the disciples sent these kids away and these families away. It simply says that they rebuked them. That word rebuke is a very strong word. It means that they scolded the ones who brought the children. So this was a total abuse of their authority. Evidently, they were lacking perception. You see, they were on mission, they thought, but they weren't on the same mission as Jesus Christ. And it's easy for any one of us to get on mission for something that's other than Jesus' mission, isn't it? It's easy. They felt like these kids and their parents fit somewhere outside of the mission. William Barclay, a commentator, said this of this text. He said, the disciples were not boorish and ungracious men. They simply wanted to protect Jesus. They didn't want him to be bothered. They could not conceive that he could want the children about him at such a time as that. So they didn't, maybe in an effort, uh, good intentions, they're trying to protect the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they didn't think Jesus wanted to uh, occupy his time with children. They thought he had other business that maybe was more important, maybe more urgent. Uh, surely he has somewhere else to be than right here at this time. Surely he has something more significant to do than just sit with kids. I mean, surely he has some important officials to see. He has some important teaching that he needs to proclaim. They must have been on a different mission than Jesus' mission because Jesus is going to teach us my mission very much has kids involved in it. They didn't understand his care for children. They viewed children as a nuisance. They were an annoyance. They were a distraction. They, they didn't have an appreciation for the simple faith of children. And don't you know, church family, you and me, we can get that way too. We can think that way about kids. Jesus didn't think that way about kids. But sometimes we think that way about kids. Those who do not understand or consider the nature of Jesus' mission fail to involve themselves in the lives of those who seem insignificant. I'm going to say that again. Those who do not understand or consider the nature of Jesus' mission fail to involve themselves in the lives of those who seem insignificant. It's entirely possible for those who follow Jesus and have good intentions to be insensitive to the needs of children. And we have to be careful about our attitude towards young people. We can see them as less important than adults because of what they are capable of or aren't capable of. We can think, well, they're not as important as adults or we can see them as an annoyance. We can see them as a nuisance. We can see them as a distraction to what we're trying to accomplish. This happens all the time. We can see them this way at church. We can see them this way at the house, in the car, in the store. We can see them as a distraction to our business. And Jesus is not too busy for them. But sometimes we live with this attitude that Jesus is too busy for you. He's, he's too busy. Can I admonish you tonight, church family? Don't be don't be so distracted yourself that you inadvertently teach your kids that Jesus is too busy for them. They ask you a Bible question. Not right now. I've got stuff going on. Daddy, can you pray with me? No, not right now. I've... Go somewhere. Go play. 
Can we read the Bible tonight? Son, I got work tomorrow. Excuse me, sir, you have work tonight. It's your child. It's your children. They interrupted him here, but then lastly, I want us to see this in verse 14. Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me. Jesus is correcting his disciples here. He's trying to change their thinking so that they'll change their behavior and their attitude. Jesus says, don't you dare stop these kids from coming to me. We see in Mark's gospel account of the same story, Mark chapter 10, Mark said that he was much displeased. Jesus was much displeased when the disciples did this. That word displeased means to be indignant or angry. How do you think Jesus feels about those who undervalue children? We have our answer. How do you think Jesus feels when you or me undervalue children? I would submit to you tonight the same way the Bible describes it in Mark chapter 10. And can I remind you tonight that you and I are not accepted with Jesus on the basis of what you and I can do for him? We are accepted with Jesus on the fact that we are created in the image of God, that he loved us, that, he, that we're important to him, and he loves us because not what we can do for him, but because of who we are to him. You see, these children couldn't do much to help Jesus, maybe, in his mission, but he loved them for who they were. He said, suffer little children and forbid them not. The idea there is don't turn them away. Let them, let them linger. Suffer them. Let them stay around. Don't turn them away. Don't forbid them. But let them come unto me. For such, notice, is the kingdom of heaven. Why did, why did Jesus take time for children? Well, he took time for children because they were included in his mission as those who readily receive his kingdom. In other words, you're telling me these kids, their desire, their passion, their drive to get to me, I'm too busy? Do you understand that that's exactly what my kingdom is all about? Uh, the reason they should not hinder children from coming to Jesus is because those are the type of people that make up God's kingdom. That simple childlike faith. You see, Jesus is not interested in people who just tolerate him. Jesus is interested in people who are hungering for him, are excited to see him and have contact with him. He says, let them come that no child be left behind. So simply tonight, as a parent, maybe you're not a parent, maybe you're a children's ministry worker, maybe you don't work with kids, but maybe you should. You may think at times, I've thought this at times, <clears throat> is my investment in vain? You may think, is the time that I spend on these little ones in vain? Is the money that I'm spending on them in vain? Is the energy that I'm expending week after week after week tirelessly, is it in vain? You might be asking yourself these questions. Is my sacrifice in vain? And I can assure you tonight, it's not in vain. It's not in vain because what God is doing in the lives of children defines what his kingdom is all about. Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus is saying, it's not stopping kids from coming to me that you need to do. It's adopting the way that kids are with me that you need to do. And maybe the way that they want me, you ought to start wanting me that way as well. We can learn a lot from a child. 
but we can become preoccupied as well and distracted. May God help us not to get distracted by other things that aren't important and aren't aligned with his mission because his mission very much has to do with children. I want to ask you tonight, are you more interested in something else than Jesus' mission? Do you realize tonight that children are very much a part of Jesus' mission? So do you see children as a distraction or do you see children as a mission field? Children are precious. I hope that you and I will see them as a mission field because Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious, precious precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. May God help us to leave no child behind and determine to bring them to Jesus.